AMA 50 KFUO, you're listening to the Midday Moments program. I'm your host, Gary Duncan. It's time now for a moment on the lighter side. And today we welcome back our regular guest of our program, St. Peter of St. Peter's Hook and Crook. It's good to be back in the old routine, Gary. I always enjoy our little conversations. So last week you were trying to write some novels. Um, how is that novel writing going, Peter? Well, I'm afraid not so good. Oh, what's the problem? Well, as you pointed out last week, my, my first effort at writing a novel was uh, was nothing more than a copy of the biblical story of Jesus' resurrection. <laughs> Let's just say it was so similar to Luke's account, one might use the word identical. Obviously, uh, there's no need to rewrite what already is written. So, <laughs> But... I thought you were going to try writing something that was completely original, totally a work of your imagination, a novel that would be truly unique. Well, that, that was my plan, uh, but it didn't work out that way. I, I did come up with a bang-up opening sentence, though. Oh, it seemed to have such great possibility for my first novel. I, I, it began, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. <laughs> yeah, that's unique. But, but, but that's as far as I could get. I mean, no matter how hard I tried, I, I couldn't come up with the next sentence. I, I tell you, I, I had a Dickens of a time. Uh, Dickens of a time. I bet you did. Look, I'm sorry that you're having writer's block. As long as you're not doing anything else, there's a couple of questions I would like to ask you. Well, you, you might as well. I, I may, maybe you'll be my muse, and, and your questions will inspire my next great work of literature. Oh, <laughs> maybe, but I don't really know about that. But if I can't just get a few simple questions in, I'll be happy. Oh, well, should we, Gary? So what, what is your question? What? Last week, Peter, when we read the original account of Easter evening as given in the Gospel of Luke, you pointed out that the life hereafter is clearly not going to be uh, a thing of ghost and spirit, but a thing of human body. Uh, right. Uh, now, now, Luke makes that perfectly clear. Uh, Jesus is not a ghost. He has hands and feet that can be touched. He has a mouth and tongue and teeth that are capable of eating a piece of broiled fish. As Jesus himself said, I am no spirit, but flesh and bones. And as you pointed out, as it goes for Jesus, so it goes for us. Our resurrected bodies are going to be uh, like his resurrected body. Uh, you know, I, I'm beginning to think I don't have any original thoughts. <laughs> I may have pointed out that fact, but it, it was actually John who wrote that in the Bible, as he said in his first letter. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. But brings me to my question, okay? All right. We shall be like him. But I got to thinking in some ways the resurrected Jesus was more ghost-like than like flesh and bone. Well, now, now what are you getting at, Gary? Well, earlier in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus appeared to two disciples on the way to the town of Emmaus. When they arrived at their home, Jesus stays for supper. Well, well see, that's my point. Uh, another example of Jesus as flesh and bones. Jesus sitting down to dinner. Well, that's my point, though, because he didn't eat with them. Rather, Luke says when Jesus was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it. He gave it to them and their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. See, he vanished just like a ghost. Well, well Gary, I, I can explain that. I... Well, okay. 
Wait a second, though. I've got a couple other examples. In John's version of the first Easter evening, Jesus not only appeared to the disciples, but he appeared to them even though they were in a locked room. In fact, the next weekend, when Jesus appeared to them, John emphasizes again that the doors were locked. Now, I've watched, as I said, Casper Ghost, I loved that when I was growing up, and I've watched enough of it, of that cartoon, to know that what a ghost does, not flesh and bones... A ghost is not flesh and bones, and a ghost can walk right through walls, but men can't. You know, Gary, it, it amazes me how you've mastered the extra-biblical material, the, the whole Casper genre as it applies to the life hereafter. But I'm afraid you, you misunderstood the business of the locked doors that John talks about. This has nothing to do with Jesus' resurrected body. Of course it does. He had come back from the dead, and like all ghosts, he could now walk through walls. Uh, not at all, Gary. Uh, his appearing in a locked room has nothing to do with, with what life is like in the hereafter. In fact, his appearance in the locked room has nothing to do with his human body at all. If it's not about his human body, what does it have to do with? But, but it has to do with his divine nature. Uh, true, Jesus is all man, flesh and bones. But remember now, he's also God. It was because of his divinity that he could appear in the locked room, or on the beach, or, or in the garden. I mean, he could appear anywhere he liked, because he is the omnipresent God Almighty. But it has nothing to do with his resurrected body. In fact, you know, he was doing such miraculous things with his body long before he was raised from the grave. Well, give me a for instance. Well, consider what happened that time he preached in his hometown in Nazareth. Well, well you can read about it. It's right there in Luke chapter 4, uh, beginning at the 28th verse. Okay. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the hill which their town was built on, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. You see, he was there, and the next moment he was gone, passing right before their eyes. Not because he was a ghost there, no, no but because he is Almighty God. Uh, read, if you would, Matthew uh, 17, verse 2. Okay, and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Now, I realize this may sound like a ghostly apparition, but it was not. What we were seeing was the glory of God himself, shining through the very flesh and bones of Jesus. Okay, I, I see your point there. As the voice of the Heavenly Father said on the mountaintop, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, listen to him. So this is not Jesus, the ghost we were witnessing, but flesh and bone Jesus, who is also the Almighty Son of God. Uh, so you see, Jesus appearing in a locked room uh, does not address the question of what our resurrected bodies will be like but rather it affirms the fact that Jesus is true man and also true God. As true God, he doesn't have to walk through walls like a ghost. I mean, he can just appear wherever he likes. Although that reminds me of another story that emphasizes both Jesus the man with flesh and bones as well as Jesus the God Almighty. In fact, it's another example of how Jesus was doing divine things with his body long before he was resurrected. What example is that? Well, it's another story of which I was an eyewitness. 
indeed like the transfiguration, <laughs> I was personally involved. Why didn't I write this stuff down? You know, I think I'd already had my first novel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Peter, but the gospel writers beat you to it. But don't regret that you didn't get to write this account. Just be glad that they were written and that they were written by men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I, I know, Gary. As my buddy John said, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I shouldn't be jealous. I should just be glad that God gave us his saving word. And even though you didn't get to write it, and you didn't write these stories down yourself, but you did get to contribute in your letter, and you also were a big help to Mark in writing his gospel. Yeah, you know, that's true. I, I already have my fair share of literary success. I don't really need to add a novel to my body of work. <laughs> but we, we need to get back to our topic, okay? You had another story that illustrates Jesus' ability to do divine things in his human body. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, that's uh, uh, Here's what I was talking about. There we were in the midst of a storm, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus came walking to us on the water. Now, obviously, that's not something flesh and bone does. But it is something that Almighty God can do. But wait a minute, uh, Peter. I have to take issue with you, for the fact is, you walked on water, too, for a, a little while. <laughs> and you saw how good that worked out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, obviously, flesh and bone is not designed to walk on water. Uh, what flesh and bone does on water is sink. <laughs> That's what I did. Thank heavens, uh, Jesus, the Almighty God, was there to pull my sorry human body out of the water. Hold on. If I remember the reason you sank was because you took your eyes off Jesus. You started looking at the wind and wave and as a result became afraid. But apart from that fear, your flesh and bone were walking on water. And since there will be no fear or pain in heaven, maybe your resurrected body will also be able to do such miraculous things. Well, you know, you got me there, Gary. Maybe our resurrected bodies will be able to do things we could only dream of doing here. I mean, after all, in his letter, John did say, what we will be has not yet appeared. But whatever we may be capable of doing in heaven, it, it still remains true. It will not be a ghost or spirit thing. You know, it'll be a thing of the body, of flesh and bone. That's clearly seen again in the story of Jesus walking on the water. What do you mean, Peter? Well, please note, he doesn't come flying to us like Superman. He doesn't float on top of the water like some nautical phantom. Uh, the Bible emphasized he walked on the water with feet and hands and body. So who knows? Uh, maybe in heaven we'll walk on water too. Who, who's to say? But we'll be walking on our own two feet, not floating along on a cloud. Now that's a point well taken, Peter, and... Wow, Superman. That's I, I love that just as much as Casper. But I do have another question I, I want to ask you about the first Easter night. But we're running out of time this afternoon, so maybe I can ask you next week. Oh, oh, sure, sure, sure. What's the question? Well, what did Luke mean when he said, you disciples disbelieved for joy? That sounded like a contradiction in terms. Uh, how can you have unbelief and joy at the same time? Oh, that's an easy one to answer. Uh, but as you say, yeah, we'll, we'll save that for next week. Okay, and in the meantime, I hope you overcome your writer's block. Well, you know, I do have another idea for a novel. 
Uh, obviously, I, I can't just copy what's already in the Bible, and and apparently I don't have enough creativity to just start from scratch. Uh, but I was thinking, Gary, what do you think about this? Maybe I could start with a biblical story as my inspiration and write like a prequel or, or a sequel to the tale. Uh, for example, take the story of Jonah. I could write a novel about how Jonah, in his later life, decided to go back and find the great fish that had swallowed him. Ooh, ooh that sounds like an intriguing premise. Hmm. Uh, what would your first line be in your new novel? Call me Ishmael. <laughs> oh, Peter, I need to talk to you about that, but uh, we're out of time for right now. But I think you're onto something because, you know, you do have that fishing supply and shepherding store, and maybe a fish story would be something right up your alley. So I look forward to talking to you next time. We are the messenger of good news worldwide at KFUO.org.